verse 6. Now, now let me, let me say this to you. Uh, we're using this one scripture and will for a few weeks. But I want, you to, I want you to listen and pay attention this morning. Maybe write down some notes. Because we're going to give you a lot of scripture. Because what we're going to do today, last, two weeks ago today, we talked about a real God. Folks, I serve a real God. Not a God made with hands, not of carved wood or, or any kind of a graven image. I serve a real God. And I, my goal is for all of my allegiance to be Him and never allow myself to have a God in my mind. And we're going to talk about that in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, but we serve a real God. Hallelujah. That's the reason we can be real people. That's the reason we can be a real church. We serve a real God. Hallelujah. Punch somebody and say, you're real. I said punch them. I meant just sort of maybe tag them a little bit. <laughs> don't nobody drop it out here on the floor. We don't have to get that body fluid bag out and take care of your blood. But anyway, <laughs> too late. <coughs> Today, I want to start in this teaching and seeking God. Seeking God. You know, that when we made this shift a couple of months ago, it's been now. Well, almost, it's 1st of September, so it's been a month and a half. When we made this shift, God had already been dealing with me for some time. Now, folks, when we, it, it, you think, well, we're not to that point of being a real church yet. And we're not, I'm not to that point of being real like you talked about being a real people. But let me tell you, the key to it all is when we begin to seek God. Like Brother Gary said, that relationship with Him. When we, when we seek that friendship with God. And Jesus said that we were His friends. But then He put a tag on that if you do what I tell you. And, and you say, well, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. You, you've not read 1 John chapter 5 where it says that this is His commandment. And then He went ahead and said, and these commandments are not grievous. That means irksome or hard to do. <clears throat> they're hard to do because we make it hard to do. When, when we look at somebody and say, I just can't love that person, you're making it hard to follow his commandments. When you say something like, well, <clears throat> God told me I had to love you, but didn't tell me I had to like you, you're making it hard to follow that commandment of love. See, if we just say, like God does to us, I love you, and stop. There's no need of going any further and carrying it on out. I love you. And, and let it go at that. So when we, the closer we move to God, the more we look to Him, the more we get in that relationship with Him, the easier it is to do the things that God has told us to do. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. Now, Gary brought that out in his, in his devotion, too, about pleasing God. And, and, you know, pleasing God means doing things that makes God feel good. You say, God feels good? Sure he does. Well, how do you think he could impart that feel good to us if he didn't feel good? God enjoys God life. I, 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 if I say God enjoys life, we'd equate it with the human life. But God enjoys God life. And he wants us to enjoy God life. 
Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy so that you would not enjoy that God life. He said, but I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. That's the God kind of life. God enjoys that. Jesus enjoys that with the Father. The Holy Spirit enjoys that. And they want us to enjoy that. So he said, without faith it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And this word seek, when you put the Hebrew and the Greek word together, the meaning of them, they're not much different, in it. But it means to crave. To crave. The psalmist said in Psalm 42, As the deer painteth for the water brook, so my soul longeth for you, O God. In another place he said, My heart longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land. It means to crave. Let me tell you, it has been said many times by much more eloquent speakers than I am that when God made us, He created a vacuum in us that only He can fill, therefore putting a longing and a desire and a craving in us for the presence of Almighty God. So those that diligently seek Him, I want to seek Him today. In the Hebrew, there's two words that are similar there's one called derash, which is D-A-R-A-S-H, and another word, which is backwash. Okay, that sounds pretty good, don't it? Derash and backwash. Not backwash, but <laughs> that sounds like something your child leaves in your drink when they take it, right? Husbands and wives drink after each other. <laughs> they rash. It means to seek out by any method, but specifically in worship and in prayer. The other one that sounds like backwash, it means specifically. Seek, as these are words for seek. Seek Him specifically in prayer and worship. And a lot of times I found out through studying, these two words are used Sometimes in the same verses, in the, in the same context. And, and, I, and I begin to see that there's a pattern to this, that when they're used this way, it becomes stronger. Like I shared with you two weeks ago, when, when we see this word seek, many times in the Bible, it's not talking about me going to the back to see if I can find a cup of coffee. That's not what it's talking about. When it's used in relation to man... It's talking about locating somebody or something. But most often when it's used in relation to God, it's not talking about finding God. It's talking about craving for God and to the point to where we come before Him in worship and in praise. And, and, you know, and it's not just in church. Folks, if this is the only time that we come to seek God is these few minutes on Sunday morning and, and a couple of minutes on Wednesday night, then we're missing the whole thing that God wants us to live in. And so, so we, we want to follow in that. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, we all, we all know that one pretty well, don't we? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And then he goes on and says this. Now, you know, we love that verse, don't we? But that's not the end of the promise here. See, God said, I know what I want to do for you. And it's not evil, but it's good. 
to bring you to a hope and an expectation. But that's not the end of the promise. Listen to what he said. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Hallelujah. People say, I just don't guess God hears my prayer. Hold on for a minute, brother and sister. What does the promise of God say? Listen to what he said. In verse 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And the first part of verse 14 says, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Wow. The word seek and the word search are these two words. And they're used together, and it helps us understand that if I want to see these good things that God has for me, then I need to develop a pattern in my life and a priority in my life of seeking and searching for God through prayer and worship. Looking to Him through prayer and through worship. And this is, this is something that we miss so many times. Psalms 105, verses 3 and 4. He said, Glory ye in His name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Let the heart of them rejoice. And see, he's talking about more than just sitting around and watching NCIS. I don't know why I pick on that show so much, because I've never watched it. I guess it's just popular with a lot of people. I, I guess someday I need to pray and get a covering over me and watch it so I can see what's going on. Verse 4 says, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face evermore. Now here we see in these two verses the word seek used three times. And it makes it strong that this is how God wants us to come. Prayer and worship. But I want you to notice he said something here. He said that seek, they, that, I lost my place. Seek his face forevermore. Now when he said seek his face, that word face means the presence of God. Now we're taking it to a little bit different dimension. The presence of God. See, when we come in here, we want to enter into the presence of God. I feel like we did this morning, folks. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I, mm, wonderful. I don't know if you hooked up with it this morning or not, but man, I did. And I just had to stop. I couldn't sing. I just was getting that holy choke, you know, to where I, I couldn't sing. It just... Let me tell you, God wants us to be that way when we come together as a group. But you don't get that way because you walk in the door and shake the world off and sit in here for a few minutes and go back out and pick the world back on again and you never, on a daily basis, enter in to the presence of Almighty God. Psalms 27 and verse 8. He said, When thou sayest, when thou saidest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. He said, Now here's God saying to the psalmist, Seek my presence. We want to seek God's financial blessing. We want to seek His healing. People get down, get sick, and all oh, they start praying, Oh, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. And we want to seek healing. And, and that's okay. You know, seek His healing. 
But he said to the psalmist here, and all that David was going through, he, he, he didn't say, now David, seek my right hand. He didn't say, seek my, my prosperity, seek my healing, seek my protection. He said, seek my presence. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. In the presence of God is everything that we need. We just got to learn how to enter into that presence. And that's what we, these next several weeks, and I say several, I don't know how long it's to say, but that's what we're going to talk about, is entering in to the presence of God on Monday morning, just like you do on Sunday morning. You say, oh man, I can't do that on Monday. No, you, you can't. You're defeated right there. But I'm here to tell you, you can't. I command you. <laughs> you can. And, and, and entering into His presence. Listen, when we, when we think about His presence, He said, seek my presence. So when the Lord said, seek my presence, my heart said, Lord, your presence will I seek. When will I seek His presence? The, the psalmist went ahead and said, he said, I'll do it early in the morning. I'll do it late at night. He said, I seek God in the morning and at noontime and in the evening. And then that's not enough. He said, I want to praise Him. And listen, praise is one way you seek the presence of God. He said, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When we talk about the presence of God, there's three areas of the presence of God we want to talk about for a minute. Now, we're not going to go into depth on all of these, but we're going to share some of it with you. There is the omnipresence of God, which means that God is everywhere. God is everywhere at the same time, all the time. His presence covers the earth. In Psalms 139, beginning in verse 7, listen to what the psalmist said. He said, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall uphold me. So he's everywhere. You say, well, if God's everywhere, then why do I need to struggle to get into his presence? Well, I'm not through with this yet. There's the indwelling presence of Almighty God. See, God's everywhere, but then there's the indwelling presence of God. And in John chapter 14, Beginning in verse 15, listen to what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that stumps most of us right there, doesn't it? And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you shall know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Then dwelling presence of God. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more, but you shall see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not his carrot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Indwelling presence of God through the Holy Spirit. We talk about that a lot. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, folks, the Godhead moved in. Did you hear me? The Godhead moved in. The indwelling 
presence of God. I love that indwelling presence. Because uh, when I can't get the next part that we're going to talk about, I know by faith that God is still there. I know by faith that Jesus still lives in my life. But there's another area that I want to go to. See, Jesus said, back over in verse 21, He said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The manifested presence of God. I'm talking about a presence where it gets real. A presence... So real that it's not just by faith, but you, you actually can sense God with your senses. You say, oh, I didn't think we that's get in the flesh. No, it won't. Listen, if you're allowing that inward presence of God, that indwelling presence of God to lead your life through the Holy Ghost, you're not going to get in the flesh because Paul promised us that if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And there's nothing wrong with feeling God with your senses. Nothing wrong with experiencing Him with your senses. That's the manifest presence of God. And that simply what that means is this, is that God is everywhere, God is here, but God manifests Himself at times to do things for us that we can't do. I heard this the other day, just to give an example of this. Supposing this morning that we had a multi-billionaire sitting in our congregation. Then that would be his omnipresence. He would be here. But then, suppose that multi-billionaire got up and began to do something that only a multi-billionaire could do. And he began to give each one of us a million dollars. So what we have now is the omnipresence, but we're seeing the manifested presence. You got what I'm saying? Do we need to take a minute to see if we have a billionaire? <laughs> you see what I mean? God's here. Anytime we come here, God's here. And, as, and you know, we can honestly say, regardless of what's going on in this church, God's here. And I can say by faith that God is here. But folks, that manifested presence of God, that tangible anointing, that tangible evidence where things happen and things are done that only God can do is what my heart longs for. And that's what we're talking about, coming into His presence and being in His presence In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, Adam and Eve had sinned. And they heard God, the voice of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees. The presence of God, the manifested presence of God that came to live with men. It was destroyed and interrupted with that sin in the Garden of Eden. Oh, but I'm here to tell you today, when Jesus came to this earth and went to that cross, 
and died that sacrificial death for you and me and went in the heart of the earth and came out the third day and then ascended into heaven and sent back the Holy Ghost. Folks, let me tell you something. He restored to where you and I can experience the manifest presence of Almighty God once again. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Mm. I'm sorry y'all are behind me this morning. I've been preaching on this for two weeks. There's some rewards to this manifest presence. Remember Hebrews 11, 6 says that, that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. Get a hold of this. Here's some things. In Psalms uh, 9 and 3, it says that when my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. Those things that come to body. Now, in here, David's talking about a literal, physical enemy. But what you and I have to deal with is these spiritual enemies, these things that come around to, to torment us, things that, that are always trying to get us down, things like depression. And You know, I've, I've come to realize more people deal with depression than I had imagined. Can I, can I be honest with you about something? If I didn't get in the presence of God every now and then, this pastor would be dealing with depression from time to time. But I want you to know that because of the power of Almighty God, I'm an overcomer. I will not be depressed. I will not be defeated. I will not quit. Because I've come to see that I can come before God in praise and worship and thanksgiving and, and get in this presence. And, and, and depression seems like it goes to the other side of the universe over here. Other things that come around. And, and folks, I'm here to tell you, the things that come against you, you begin to make a practice to get in the presence of God. You'll see those things beginning to leave. Beginning to leave and not be around any longer. That's a reward for being and seeking the presence of God. Another thing is a hiding place. Psalms 31 verse 20 says that thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Mm. When it looks like everybody and everything's against you, you feel like everybody's talking about you, get in the presence of God, and God will bring you in that secret place of His presence. And why does He call it a secret place? You don't just run up there and say, okay, I'm in the presence of God. No. Even though you are in His omnipresence, you're not in His manifested presence. That place, that presence, the word that God can, only God can do for you what you need. He'll hide you in that. It makes no difference what people say. It makes no difference how they run you down. Even your family. Let me tell you something, husbands and wives. The next time that you feel like your spouse is talking about you and putting you down, go back there in the bedroom, lock that door, and get in the presence of God. Put you on a CD if you have to that's got praise music on it and worship music on it. And you begin to listen to that. And you get in the presence of God, and God will hide you in that presence. And all those words and all those things that are said, not, not just, I'm not talking about just husband and wife, but in any time, any relationship, all of those things will have to stop and fall, and you'll stand in that place where it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. Why? Because God is hiding you in the secret place of His presence. Wow. Folks, I'm about to get ready to preach. So y'all hold on for a few more minutes, okay? 
Glory to God. Mm. Boy, here's one. I don't know if I make it through this one or not. Psalm 16 and 11. Psalm 16 and 11 validates the King James Bible. No, I'm just kidding. It was, <laughs> in case you don't know what I'm talking about, King James Bible was first authorized in 1611. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> thought about that. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. This gets better. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, pleasures. Do you hear that word? At thy right hand, pleasures forevermore. The reward of being in the presence of God is that God will show you the path of life. And here's, here's the thing about it. He'll show you the things that you need to be doing as you walk that path. Remember Psalms 23? He said, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. And He's not talking about just living a good, moral, Christian life. He's talking about you walking in the right path that He's ordained for you, and that's the way of righteousness for you. To me, the path that I walk and that I need to walk is the path of being a pastor, teacher. That's what God's ordained for me. But whatever, whatever He's ordained for you, then that's what you need to be doing. life, fullness of joy. My, 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 when the world is falling apart, you can walk around with the joy of the Lord. Because folks, let me tell you something, you don't have to be in church or that back bedroom. You can walk with the presence of God all the time. I'm, I'm, i I got to hurry on here because I've got to finish this this morning. Pleasures for everyone. We'll be talking about these as we go along. But I want to talk for just a minute about leaving the presence of the Lord. And I'm not talking about it whenever church though, we'll we just walk out. I'm talking about leaving the presence of the Lord. It's possible. Not, you can't leave the manifest. Let me tell you how you can leave the manifest presence of the Lord. Die and go to hell. That's how you leave the manifest, I mean the, the omnipresence of the Lord. Just to die and go to hell. We're not of that number, okay? So as long as we're on this earth, universe, we're going to be in the omnipresence of God. I'm talking about leaving the manifest presence. What did Adam and Eve do? We read that a while ago in Genesis 3 and 8. They, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And then just a, a few days later, sometime later, not just a few days, but sometime later, Cain and Abel had a problem. And in, uh, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. went out from the presence of the Lord. Jonah. Oh, Jonah had a problem, didn't he? Listen to this. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He said, Now the, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarsus from the presence of the Lord into it. To Joppa, and he found a ship to go to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, the question is asked, how do you leave the presence of the Lord? Won't you notice Adam and Eve, they did something they were not supposed to do. 
it hindered the presence of the Lord. Cain, he ain't simply said to Cain before we in Scripture, before what we read, he said, your attitude's wrong, Cain. If you get your attitude right, your offering will be right. And your life will be right. But he didn't change his attitude. And he said to Jonah, you go preach. I'd be like saying this, you go witness. You be a witness. You go show somebody the love of God. You go tell somebody about Jesus. And you know, I'd venture to say there's probably not a person in here that at some point in time God has not moved on their heart and said, you need to talk to them about the love of God. You need to show Jesus in your life. So you leave the presence of God by doing things that you know you're not supposed to do. Now, we're not asking for a show of hands on any of these, okay? You also leave the presence of God by not doing things that God has told you to do. You say, well, God never told me to do anything. Have you ever read the Bible? Have you? And God told you to do something, didn't he? I want you to notice something. I, I, I just, I've read this scripture before and in studying, and then just last night, this came to me. It said that Jonah paid the fare. Folks, it costs something not to be in the presence of God. It costs something to allow things in your life that takes you away from the presence of God. It's going to cost you something. Not that God's going to do something to you, but when you walk in disobedience, God will begin to chastise you as a father does his son. God's a spirit. The Bible says that we've been chastised by our earthly fathers according to the flesh. That means they whipped us. Sometimes beat us. Sometimes abused us. No, they never did abuse us because most of us were raised before there was any kind of abuse. <laughs> abuse charges would have been good sometimes, wouldn't it, Brother Gary? <laughs> but he said, but the Father of Spirits. When you became born again, you became, you became a born again, alive recreated in the image of Jesus. And God deals with you in the Spirit. When you do things that you shouldn't, and, and that Holy Spirit comes and says, mm -mm, no, don't do that. And you don't repent. Then there's going to come some ch spiritual chastisement. And what it is, you're leaving the manifest presence of God. And you walk away from the manifest presence of God long enough and far enough then physical, mental, financial consequences are going to happen. Not that God's doing it, but God said when you get in the way of death and curses, this is the things that are going to happen. But when you walk in the way of life and blessings, that's seeking the presence of God and living in the presence of God. Folks, let me tell you, if you've got areas in your life this morning that you know, and, and, and you know, I'm not pointing at anybody because I had to do some of this to me, you know. But if you got errors in your life to where you know that you have not done the things that you should do or you've done things that you shouldn't do. And it don't have to be a, a, a great big sin, you know. It could just be listening to the wrong kind of music. You say, there you go. Let me can I tell you just a little personal testimony about that. Y'all know that while we were gone, I went to a casino. But that's not all I did while we were gone. We were riding over the highway, got the other side of Jackson, Mississippi, on Saturday morning. 
We'd been listening to praise music, because that's about all we listened to anyway, praise and worship music. I said, let's listen to some 60s music. I mean, back in the early 60s, you know, whenever uh, some of these folks that I can't even remember now, Herman's Hermits, you know, leaning on the lamppost, and all of these, and then a fellow named Johnny Ruffin, any of y'all remember Johnny Ruffin came on, and he was singing, As I Walk This Land of Broken Dreams, and that caught my attention. I thought, what do you mean, broke? That's a different message. Anyway. We listened to that about 30 minutes, and my spirit began to get grieved. Why? Because there was nothing feeding my spirit. We turned it back on praise music, you know. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're not going to live in the presence of God with a constant diet of WDRM or Rick and Bubba or anybody else. God has got a music, and that music is... Praise music, it comes in different forms and in different ways. And you and I as God's people, if you want to live in the presence of God and enjoy those rewards and many, many, many more, you need to learn how to praise God. And you can't learn how to praise God listening to a lot of the music that people listen to or reading a lot of the books that people read. You're not going to learn how to praise God by spending eight hours a day out of ten on Facebook or computer games. You're not going to do it. Let me tell you something, young people. It's important. I drove the bus for the band Friday night, and coming back, they got to singing. And I was startled at some of the words I heard those girls singing or rapping. I guess that's what they were doing. I startled me, and I thought, man, it, it just grieved my spirit to hear that. And I mean, they were doing it fluently. You know why? Because that's all they listened to. That's all they listened to. It, it, we got to get the same way as Christian people. If you want to enjoy the presence of God, get involved in godly music. You say, I can't sing. That CD can. And like I've told you before, back in that bedroom or driving down the road in your audience of one, which is God, God gave you that voice, and regardless how it sounds to man, God enjoys hearing it. Give it the best you got. Give it the best shot you got. Let me, let me hurry on here. Adam, he said to Adam, don't eat. He ate. He said to Cain, get your attitude right. He didn't. And he said to Jonah, go preach. And Jonah, he finally went to preach. Finally. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole different story. But listen, I want to enter His presence, don't you? I want to enter into the presence of God. Psalms 95, 1 and 2. He said, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence, His manifested presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto Him with songs. What's he talking about here? He's talking about joyful noise. He's talking about happy tone in our voice. Not a whiny, cry, beggy, pull me kind of thing all the time. There's times you may have to cry before God. There's times that you may have to just honest up before God. There's times that you may have to do that. But folks, if that's all you're doing, you're missing out on the blessings of the presence of walking and living in the presence of God, the presence of a real God that cares about us and loves us. Psalms 100, verses 1 and 2. 
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. You, you notice a couple of things that goes on here? He's talking about a joyful noise. A joyful noise. A joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing. He's talking about the presence of God. He's talking about singing. He's talking about thanksgiving. He's talking about making a joyful noise. Now, folks, if we would begin to turn our hearts to seek the Lord, to seek His face, seek His presence, and spend time doing that, the next time everything just gets so big and you, instead of you sitting there worrying, you know what happens if you sit and worry about everything? Depression's knocking on your shoulder. Instead of sitting there worrying, when you see that going, get up. And, and begin to praise God. If you can't, like I said, if you can't do it, put you on a praise CD. Put you on, do something. Get in, read the book of Psalms. You read Psalms 91 that talks about His presence and Him being with you. Folks, there's things that we can do to praise God and we don't have to just keep putting up with the junk of the world when we turn to see what God has to say. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow.